So I, I don't think, um, I don't think most people like being interrupted. Uh, an interruption is something that stops the continuous process of an activity or, um, or, or a process. You're, you're walking around the block, for example, and you're interrupted by a neighbor who stops you and, and wants to talk. Or you're typing an email or a, a report or a sermon and you get an important phone call that interrupts the flow of work at that particular moment. You're trying to have a grown-up conversation with your spouse and you're interrupted by your kids asking you a question or arguing about whose turn it is to play with the toy. You've got your idea about how you want uh, something to go only to be interrupted by God seemingly telling you to wait, to hold on, and be patient. You're living your life and then all of a sudden it's interrupted by a global pandemic that literally interrupts almost every single part of life. I don't think most people like to be interrupted. We react with, with frustration, with exasperation. Like the timekeepers for Marvel's Loki series, we want our timeline, our agenda, our to-do list to flow efficiently and productively with no deviation. And so in the midst of, of the interruption, we, we find ourselves not fully present, either because we're trying hard not to forget what we were working on while the interruption is taking place, or we're thinking about what we're going to have to get back to once the interruption is, is over. In short, we have no margin for interruption. No margin for interruption. And without realizing it, we might be missing kingdom moments. Opportunities to grow in our faith and to bless others. What if, what if a margin for interruption is essential for living a life oriented toward God and not self? What if a margin for interruption helps to wean us away from efficiency and draw us toward a greater faithfulness? Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might bear fruit for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. I invite you to listen for God's word. Jesus crossed the lake again, and on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, came forward. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleaded with him, My daughter is about to die. Please come and place your hands on her so that she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. 
her bleeding stopped immediately and she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, don't you see the crowd pressing in on you? Yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. While Jesus was still speaking with her, messengers came from the synagogue's leader's house, saying to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus overheard their report and said to the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just keep trusting. He didn't allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the synagogue leader's house, and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, what's all this commotion and crying about? The child isn't dead, she's only sleeping. They laughed at him, but he threw them all out. Then taking the child's parents and his disciples with him, he went to the room where the child was, taking her hand. He said to her, Talitha kum, which means young woman, get up. Suddenly the young woman got up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. They were shocked. He gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. Then he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Most people don't like interruptions. Jesus is not most people. And this passage today is just one of many, many examples in the Gospels where Jesus is saying or doing one thing or on his way from one place to another only to be interrupted. I mean, last week we read about Jesus teaching in a house only to be interrupted by a paralyzed man being lowered down through the roof on a mat. And then there's the time that Jesus was eating in the house of a very prominent religious leader, only to be interrupted by a woman who barges in the house and begins to wash his feet with her hair. Or the time in the boat when Jesus was asleep and his rest was interrupted by his frantic and fearful disciples crying out in the midst of a storm. Time and time again throughout his ministry, Jesus is interrupted by those who have nothing to offer him, but need everything from him. So Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, comes to Jesus in desperation because his daughter is about to die. This is imminent. He begs Jesus to place his hands on her so that, so that she can be healed. So Jesus goes with him. Presuming this is just not like right next door from where Jesus is. So Jesus goes with him. He's on the way. This is now his priority. Jesus' priority. And the crowds are following. Except now, all of a sudden, a woman desperate in her own way because she's been suffering from a blood condition for 12 years interrupts. Interrupts Jesus. She makes her way through the crowd and, and reaches out and, and stretches and touches his clothes. And instantly she's healed. And instantly Jesus stops because he knows power has gone out from him. Jesus stops. <laughs> and we're like, wait, what, what about Jairus? What about his daughter? What about healing what about healing that way as efficiently, heading that way as efficiently as, as possible? I mean, this is interruption by definition, right? Something that is stopping the progress of Jesus getting to Jairus' daughter who is about the point of death. 
And yet Jesus leans into it. He leans into the interruption. He stops. Who touched me? He asks. And, his, and he looks around carefully at the, the sea of faces around him in love. Fully known and fully seen and fully loved by Jesus. In that moment of interruption, the woman comes forward, falls down before Jesus. Jesus says, woman, your faith has healed you. Jesus had a margin for interruption, and because he did, this woman was healed. It was not uh, unwelcomed. It was not an inconvenience. It was an opportunity for someone else's good and for God's glory. For someone else's good and God's glory. It seems that God cares more about faithfulness and love than efficiency and production. It seems God cares more about faithfulness and love than efficiency and production. If Jesus was efficient, he would have just made it straight to Jairus' house, totally blocking out anything else along the way. But God doesn't have a history of efficiency. That's not an adjective we use or apply to God. That's not what we gather for, for worship. That's not why we stand in awe of God. That's not why we place our lives and our hearts in God's hands because God is an efficient God. We don't worship an efficient God. We worship a loving and a faithful God. God has a history of faithfulness. God has a history of love. God also, therefore, has a history of of interrupting and allowing interruptions. God interrupted a man named Abraham to call him so that he and his people might be a blessing to the nations. God interrupted Moses when God told him to deliver Israel from slavery. God interrupted Mary when God told her that she would give birth to, to Jesus, the Messiah. God interrupted Peter on the shores of Galilee and interrupted Paul on the road to Damascus. And... Paul would experience the interruption of being imprisoned while trying to plant churches. Peter would experience the interruption of a Gentile man named Cornelius who told him to come to his house where the Holy Spirit was poured out upon non-Jews as well. What lies behind Jesus' willingness to be interrupted is what lies behind God's willingness to interrupt and to allow interruption. Faithfulness and love. Faithfulness and love God demonstrates. And the faithfulness and love that God desires from us, God's people. Jesus is the great interruption. Jesus is the great interruption. Jesus interrupted evil and sin and death through his death and resurrection. And because of that, our lives bent in towards self, bent in toward death, have been interrupted by God's grace and love and bent back toward life and toward God. You're here worshiping this morning because somehow, some way in your life, Jesus interrupted. And so this, this margin for interruption that Jesus had can be ours as well if we embrace this. If we embrace faithfulness and love over efficiency and production. That means embracing God's faithfulness and love in interrupting our lives through Jesus and embracing God's call for us to trust and be faithful to God's agenda 
over our own efficiency. Because God's agenda for every day is faithfulness and love, not efficiency. God's agenda for us every day is faithfulness and love, not efficiency. We want to move through our task without interruption because we care about efficiency. But God cares about faithfulness, even in the midst of interruption. Think, think about a cup. Think about our lives as a cup, and then an interruption of some kind happens. We're, we're, we're bumped. Something is going to overflow and spill out. The question is what? Right? When we have a margin for interruption and we are interrupted, love and faithfulness and generosity spill out overflow for someone else's good and for God's glory. When we don't have the margin and we're interrupted, something else will spill out. And it might not be good or glorifying. As we consider the margin for interruption that Jesus had for for the woman who had the blood condition, as we seek to develop margin by first embracing faithfulness and love over efficiency, we would do well to remember that not all interruptions are created equal. Because I know some some of y'all are are wondering. Some interruptions, in fact, I would argue are not interruptions but distractions. There's a difference between an interruption and a distraction. We can barely go 10 minutes without a bing from our email, a buzz from our phone without checking Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and what, all the other ones I'm not <laughs> remembering, right? And scrolling through our feeds. Like if we're separated from those things, we'll go into withdrawal. Checking our phones while playing with our kids or grandkids is not leaning into an interruption. That's a distraction. Here's the difference. Interruptions have the potential to transform us Distractions deform us. Instead of propelling us toward God and into the lives of the neighbors and people God has called us to love, distractions draw our attention elsewhere, usually back in on ourselves. Instead of training us in the art of paying attention to the needs around us, distractions Train us in the warped art of skimming and half-hearted multitasking where in some crazy world, we hate the interruption from our neighbor, but we love the interruption from our phone, from Facebook. So margin for, for interruption is not about having no boundaries. Healthy boundaries are important. Jesus had them. Jesus dismissed the crowds. Jesus went away to a quiet place to pray by himself. Jesus sent the disciples on ahead of him. Jesus told one town that he couldn't do any more miracles there. It is possible to have good boundaries without putting up a wall to all interruptions or flipping out when they happen. Perhaps the gateway, the the filter, if you will, is simply asking ourselves when an interruption happens, when an interruption comes, if leaning into that interruption will help us love God and neighbor more or not. So when an interruption comes, just taking a deep breath, asking asking ourselves, "Will, will this help me love God and my neighbor more or not? 
But we don't know Jesus' thought process in responding to the interruption of the woman with the blood condition. We do know from the Gospels that, that his prayer life and his being in tune with, with his Father in heaven informed his missional living. One of the first sermons in this series, we talked about how Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing first. But this interruption certainly created the possibility for love of God and love of neighbor to happen and for transformation to occur. And that's the thing about interruptions when we have a margin for them. They could be a means of grace. They could be a means of grace. In other words, they might transform us. Even if it's just in a small way. How, how might this interruption have changed Jairus? Think about Jairus for a moment. He's there seeing, seeing all this. Jesus is supposedly going with him urgently to his house to heal his daughter, who's on the brink of death. And now, all of a sudden, Jesus stops in his tracks, tending to someone else on the way. You have to wonder what is going through Jairus' mind. Was he hopeful that Jesus could still pull off something miraculous? Was he panicking? Was he angry? Was he confused? We don't know. We can certainly guess that his trust muscles were stretched big time. Almost to the breaking point. I mean, he's, he has to be holding on with everything he's got. Everything he can muster. Still trusting and hoping that Jesus will still be able to do something. And Jesus does. Miraculously. But that's also how our faith muscles grow sometimes. Sometimes God uses interruption to transform us and give us something that we didn't even know we needed. Because have you ever noticed that often the best moments in our lives come in the form of unexpected interruptions? Some of the best relational moments as parents, as friends, as neighbors occur that way. Think about your own life. The best parenting moments rarely happen on our terms. The best moments to witness to our faith or love our neighbors don't always happen on our schedule. People we care about who truly need something from us don't have their crisis according to, to our calendar. Some of the best most beautiful, heartfelt conversations, spiritual and otherwise, with my boys have happened when they've interrupted something that I was doing to make an observation or to ask an amazing question. In other words, God can use interruptions, and sometimes God is often in the interruption to transform us from playing God to partnering with God, to transform us away from privilege and self toward serving and others. All of Jesus' interruptions, including this one, took him away from privilege and places of power and esteem. Interruption as a means of grace, interruptions as a means of grace, forces us to ask ourselves the question, do I want to become, do I want to become the kind of person who interrupts my agenda for others or who interrupts others for my agenda? Do I want to become the kind of person who interrupts my agenda for others or who interrupts others for my agenda? 
through interruptions and having a margin for interruption, God's grace smooths out the rough edges of our pride, helps us refocus, helps us reprioritize, and to take note of something beautiful or unexpected, help us trust and become more dependent upon God. They might just be God giving us what we need in spite of ourselves. This kind of interruption happened to me this week when God interrupted me literally in the middle of writing a sermon on having the margin for interruption. I kid you not, God has such ironic timing sometimes. So in the middle of writing the introduction for this sermon, I started to get a song in my, in my head. Now you have to understand, I used to write songs as a big part of my like spiritual life about five to ten years ago. It has been a long time. It has probably been over five years since I've written a song. And yet here I am sitting down to write this sermon. The thoughts are starting to flow. I'm in the middle of the introduction. All of a sudden, an entire song comes like an entire song comes to me in my head. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> this is just too much. And every part of me, almost every part of me wanted to press on with the sermon to not let that song coming in my head interrupt the flow and efficiency of the sermon that I was writing. But some part of me was prompted just enough by God's spirit and God's grace to stop, to go into another room, to, to, to get on the piano, and to, and to write it down. And I did. And when I lean into this interruption... And wrote the song, I experienced such a beautiful moment of worship and nourishment with God. Something that honestly I had been praying for and I could have cared less about efficiency. So, how do we respond to, how do we handle the interruptions strewn throughout our days, when our computer rebels, when our child makes everyone in the grocery store stop and stare, when we get a knock at our door or phone call in the middle of our productivity, when we see something beautiful that stops us in our tracks, when someone asks for our help, do we have the margin for that interruption? I hope and pray that because of the way Jesus interrupted our lives with his love, because the Lord of our salvation is also the Lord of our days, even days filled with interruption, I hope we'll find the margin to be interrupted. To be interrupted, not in the name of efficiency, but in the name of faithfulness and love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.